1: Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1016. Hey, Washington, D.C., I'll be at the D.C. Improv September 5, 6, 7. And then the following weekend, I will be at the Chicago Improv uh, September 13, 14. You can either go to those websites or id10t.com slash tour. And uh, there's new stuff up at id10t.com. We're posting some horror-themed socks and some uh horror themed <laughs> yes horror themed socks all right because they're fun uh and some new shirts some new ID10 t-shirts and some some other fun stuff so go there more soon uh also events at id10t.com will get you your thing if we can get to it we get a lot of we do the best we please don't be upset if we don't we're trying okay anyway uh disclaimers aside here's Jeff Baker who writes For a while, I've been noticing I have to censor myself when singing my favorite songs around my kids because of the inappropriate content, so I started making up new comical lyrics to replace any offensive content. They were such it with my family and friends that I started posting them on YouTube. The channel is called NSFK Music, and you can find it by going to nsfkmusic.com. An example of what you might find, What I Got by Sublime, I replace I Got a Dalmatian, I Can Still Get High, I Can Play the Guitar Like a Motherfucking Riot with I Got a Dalmatian, I can give high fives. I can play the guitar like your mother fighting rabbits. Now, that is family-friendly, sublime, OC fun. Uh, I also currently have Closer by Nine Inch Nails and "Bounce" by Tenko Jones and more to come. Now I need to hear Closer. I need to hear Family Friendly Closer uh, by, by Nine Inch Nails. Um, also Chris Frodel writes Frodel? Frodel I'm sorry Chris that must be the bane of your existence People saying Frodel or Frodel uh, My wife Melanie has taken her passion for travel And become a travel agent For Living with the Magic Vacations A woman owned run and run vacation planning agency She uses her know how To get you and your family to any destination you desire Through her you can book your vacations To Disneyland and World uh, You can go to Universal, Sandals Beaches uh, Cruise Lines From fast passes to dining plans to excursions and everything in between, she'll help you get there. Find your magic and contact Melanie today. Go to livingwiththemagic.com slash Melanie dash Frodel, F-R-O-D-E-L dash bio. Or just go to livingwiththemagic.com and find her under Meet the Team. Also, a friend of the L.A. comedy community, Jazz Ponce, and uh, her mom, Melinda, have a GoFundMe up. Uh, Jazz used to run a show called Tiger Lily in L.A., and um, they, uh, they've just uh, hit some financial troubles. And uh, Jazz works for the school system and doesn't go back to work until September. And her mom was in a car accident, which is uh, has kind of uh, sent their world into a bit of a tailspin and an upheaval. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to her GoFundMe. Um, it's, uh, it's a fund that just really just kind of gets them through uh until mid September while her mom is is convalescing. So if you go to GoFundMe and uh you search for Melinda and Jazz Accident Emergency, uh you'll find it. And uh just sending hugs to Melinda and Jazz and and uh all the best wishes and hoping that everything uh everything writes itself really soon. Uh all right, this episode is Brian Possein Brian Possein uh who's back on the podcast now. Admittedly, this was recorded several months ago and uh, I still have a couple that have just been pushed because, I don't know, other ones come in that are like, this has to go up right now. And so, uh, I don't know, I don't have a really solid excuse because I loved this episode and I love Brian, I adore him and I've known him for, oh my god, 25 years now. And so, uh, I humbly apologize for this going up several months Later than it should have. But uh, Brian is on tour right now. He has uh, a bunch of shows. He's in Arlington at the Arlington Cinema and Draft House September 12, 13, 14. He's in Seattle at the Neptune Theater September 20 and 21. Then he goes to Athens, Georgia. Then he goes to Hamden, Connecticut, Chicago, Illinois, Portland, Cincinnati. Uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado, in December. If you go to brianpossain.com, you can get info and uh, ticket links to all these these, uh, shows. You should definitely see him in person if you get a chance. Also, uh, he's got a great podcast called Nerd Poker, which is basically D&D. He always referred to D&D as Nerd Poker. So uh, you should check that out uh, if you get a chance. And, and... Brian Posehn has a book. It is called Forever Nerdy, Living My Dorky Dreams and Staying Metal, available wherever books are sold. So find him, see him, support him. Uh, Brian Posehn, I adore you, and I'm sorry. This podcast is going up uh, a few months later than it should have. But here is episode 1016 of the ID10T podcast with Brian Posehn, Slayer! Initiating ID10T protocol. Lando or
2: Vader uh, Either Lando Yeah Man if you got One of these glasses Before the movie came out Or before you, your mom Took you to see the movie You'd be pretty mad At Burger King <laughs> It's a spoiler glass Oh the whole thing she, Is a spoiler like, it tells Yeah the I whole think story. We, I think we discovered That too <laughs> Yeah Lando Betrays He's known to Han To be an accomplished Con artist an Says opper- he betrays an opportunistic <laughs> scoundrel Lando betrays Han to Darth Vader but later regrets his action and assists in the escape of the Millennium Falcon and its crew
1: <laughs> spoiler <laughs> so because of a whopper because of, you, you because you had a whopper and you're like god damn it now you can see the fucking mom why did you get those stupid glasses <laughs>
2: <laughs> i thought you liked him you, you think too much
1: I thought it's I the old.
2: chewbacca
1: Mom. <laughs> that is kind of fucked up i mean i guess maybe they just assume that at that point everyone has seen the movie but i don't know why they had to yeah i mean did they put on the back there because if you get that glass of burger king you're like i don't know who this man is <laughs> right Let's see. What does this one say? Oh, this is. Oh, this this is obviously reproduction because it refers to the Sith. I have the Darth Vader glass, and it says, "The Dark Lord of the Sith, once a Jedi Knight, now draws his incredible evil powers from the dark side of the Force as chief enforcer of the Galactic um, uh, Emperor. Vader commands the. It's a little hard to read because of the right because of the the image on the back of the glass. But it doesn't say like Luke's dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vader commands. See, Vader commands executor. Uh, uh oh, Vader. Vader commands the. Uh, Executor, Most fearsome of the Imperial Star Destroyers, Vader hires Boba Fett, the notorious hunter, who tracks the Millennium Falcon and its crew to Cloud City on the gaseous planet of Bespin. Concerned that Luke Skywalker grows ever stronger with the force, Vader seem, uh, seeks to lure him to the side of evil. So this is interesting because this is obviously a collector series from Empire, but I, is it weird that they refer to the Sith in something that's... Cause, Right. I mean, I, I, obviously, I know it's all... So that's a repro? Then, yeah, uh, that's a repro. That one, I think, is yours, I think, is actually an original, and as you can tell by the shape of the glass. Yeah. But, the, uh, but the thing that's weird about it is... Because that, that they did retcon... It's obviously retcon, uh, like right. the Sith are a retcon, but still, it feels weird on, a, on an Empire Strikes Back, back uh, glass to refer to the Sith. Yeah. Oh, well. How are you with the Sith? Do you, do you, do you, do you like that whole storyline? Which they, how they've, <laughs> well, just like just basically evil
2: jedis. Uh, I don't know that I hate it because I I think I was always vague about it as a kid. I right. never completely got why Vader had turned on his buddy. You know, yeah. But you just knew that he did. Yeah, I mean, it's they the, put more story behind it. <laughs> the,
1: I, guess, the, I guess then. Yeah, the, the retconning in Empire was pretty bad for Star Wars, though. He's like, you said betray- Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Well, I mean, he was, you know, when he became, then he then killed the good. So what I told you was from a certain point of view. Right. Like, right. Meh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that really holds any water. Well, this holds water. It's glass, but I don't know if that story holds water. Right. Were you angry about that when you saw it as a kid? Or did you just go, well, it makes sense uh no i didn 't get angry about that. I was
2: more like I hated Jedi just because of the obvious reasons, yeah, uh, but Empire was totally in, and yeah empire uh loved all the way through that 's still my favorite I think it 's still the best one, but um Jedi was a teenager when and most of my friends had already turned on it, you know because they're driving cars and getting laid. <laughs> And uh, but driving cars too get laid, and uh, and I was still taking the bus to movies, and so I I was fired up about Jedi, but my friends weren't, and then I saw Jedi, and I I had some problems.
1: Does anyone like, take the you know, bus to get laid? <laughs> <laughs> taking the bus to get, get laid. laid. How'd you get here? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Is that a bus pass in your pocket? No, you're a bus pass. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, uh Jedi I was cuz I'm just a few years younger than you so I was in the right age range right, to where you have probably love the toys and- it was like oh this is fun and look at these little guys you know but of course as I got older it was uh, changed
2: I had everybody telling me to let it go like my mom my my family like cuz I loved you know the toys and the figures came out Like, well, the first movie came out when I was 11, So, but by the time the first wave of action figures came out, I think I was 12, and most of my friends weren't playing with action figures, but I was like, this is the best thing ever, and I've been waiting for these, and then had a couple of years with them, but I remember being, you know, in high school, and my grandparents were like, no, we're not getting you toys anymore, like, that's (laughs) weird.
1: (laughs) I'll show you. I'll buy them for the rest
2: of my adult life. Yeah. And then my, you know, and then my friends were obviously like, "Nah, we're not seeing Jedi." Well, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, I was like, "No, I still love this thing." Are you still friends with any of those people? I am. Uh, I went back to being friends with them, but yeah, I walked away from some of them at high school. But sure. then, now a lot of them stayed in my little my little tiny town. And I'm sure now they're like, eh, you know." My metal buddies not. were always cool. I had two metal friends that are still like my two best
1: friends in life, but. And we stayed close the whole time. I, I kind of, I, I want to dissect a little bit and explore the crossover between metal culture and nerd culture because when I when I was growing up, things were ve- things were very this or that, and now right. everyone is a bit of everything. just right. Because we're all exposed. Yeah, to for sure. And everything is easy to. I, I think a lot of it in those days is that you know, like. Really deep cut metal music was hard to acquire. Really right. like nerd toys were difficult to acquire. Right, right. You know, Monty Python episodes were difficult to acquire. Like right. in those days, in the 80s, and the late 70s, in the 80s. And so everyone was sort of the byproduct of how much work they were willing to put into something which was driven by how passionate they were right. about it. Now everything is so easy to get that it doesn't yeah. fucking matter. But when I was growing up, the metalheads were like heshers, and I did not know that they that there was a nerd. I didn't know that there was a nerd component to that. But then meeting you, and obviously being friends with Rob Zombie all these years, like oh right. wait, there's like there's like a huge component, right.
2: it seems. Well, me and my close friends, we were the metalheads that the other metalheads didn't like, you know, and then there were the stoner because I didn't smoke pot in high school or, or well, till 21, I think I started smoking pot and I hated the stoners at my school because they were just ACDC dumbasses and didn't like the other stuff. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they didn't know who Ingvay Momstein was and, you know, and it was me and my two buddies that were kind of, one guy was a uh, computer guy and is still my, like, and this is, you know, 83 when, had to be rich to have a computer, and he had a home computer, and, you know, was that kind of kid. And then the other kid was learning to play the bass, and we were, like, three smart dorks that liked this really heavy, aggressive music. But we were, like, you know, before we could drive, we were taking buses to Santa Rosa to get music and look for this obscure stuff. And, you know, I hated the guys that just listened to ACDC and Judas Priest. We were like, ah, those (laughs) bands are great, but there's so much more, you know? Right, right, right. Because that's, I guess that's sort of that's sort of the starter kit, right? Right. Yeah. You yeah. Got, you got we used, had moved beyond. We're like, oh, I got this Metallica demo and this other thing, and you know, and I just heard about this guy from Sweden, and
1: you know. Well, wait. Look, this might be kind of fun. Let's talk about like let's talk about subculture starter kits, and these are the starter kits that if you just have these things, probably annoy the real hardcore fans. Kind of like what you just said. Right. Right. So what's what's in the what's in the metalhead starter kit? Is it like Back in black as like ACDC. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then uh, back then, I mean, what I hated was I was a big Def Leppard fan till the third record. And then the third record came out and my whole school loved it. Because it was, I was real like, poppy. That was, Yeah, was that, that was Pyromania. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> high and dry is the shit this band turned on me. And, you know. <laughs> and now all the jocks are listening. Go back to Springsteen and Madonna. Like, stay away from Def Leppard. Because they, went, like, mainstream. We're totally they mainstream. weren't mainstream. Totally mainstream. They weren't just metalheads. Metalheads in my school liked high and dry like I did. But then the next record, Pyromania, just took over the whole school. And I remember at the beginning of the year, this is so dorky. I was still driving, the, riding the school bus. I don't think, my mom didn't, I, we didn't have money. But, so I, my first car was given to me by my grandfather, not probably till I was a senior, I think. Uh, so my junior year, I was till, still taking the school bus and, uh, like, bringing a boombox on the bus. This is so, <laughs> 80s it was. And uh, I would play, I played um, Pyromania when it first came out. And people are like, turn that off, turn that off. And by the end of the year, everybody was wearing those Union Jack T-shirts mm-hmm. from Pyromania. And yep. It was just that's what really made the like, <laughs> f you, like, or you know, I already said fuck you. So,
1: what is it about? What is it about? What is it about hardcore fandom? Because the same thing happens certainly in the. I think it's like anything where it's yours,
2: and right. then when, when and you put in all the work, yeah, and then people. Like it, but not for the same reasons as you did. It's, and you it's don't like want to have anything, anything in common it's with like, those
1: people, yeah, right? It's is that like, part of it too? Yeah,
2: but it's also like like we like the Simpsons at the you know when the Simpsons was on. Um, what's what was Tracy What was on Tracy Ullman? I was hanging out with these skateboarder guys, and we love that. And then like two years later, everybody else is in the Simpsons and saying "Cowabunga, dude!" and we're like, oh you idiots! Like that's not what's you know what I mean? Like." It's like a lot of things that that's because you have that I don't know how to explain it, but you well you know where you get in at that that bottom floor, yeah. and then anybody else who gets in later and then kind of doesn't get why they're into it, you know, that's where the anchor comes from. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I wonder <laughs> the sometimes like, of-
1: are we are we into. Are we into those things or are we just into, like, early adopter culture? And then the second it's not, like, an early adopter thing anymore, then is it that we don't – like, is that the thing that we're chasing? It's like like finding that sort of Indiana Jones of pop culture things right. where you're you're going into the trenches and you're, you know, like, you're, you're digging it up and you're unearthing this stuff. And then other right. people – you're like, I oh, you didn't even make any effort for that. I put all this right. at work. Right, but then also because
2: they like the obvious thing. Like I like his hair, you know. Like Bart <laughs> Simpson's is Bart Simpson's funny. He's yellow, <laughs> you know. But the, says, you know what I mean, or yeah, or or whatever it is. Where Def Leppard, it's like I like the the lame song. I like photograph, or I like
1: you know the the popular song, and you're like, ah! yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to a uh, one of the maybe two parties I went to in in high school, and. It was when I had just moved out to LA and every time I moved to a new city, because we moved a few times, I got to be what I would later refer to as Capital City Millhouse. Where it's like (laughs) where I got like I got a grace period where people didn't know yet what a fucking dork I was. And so I got that grace period where I could you know, I was new and I stayed quiet in the beginning, so then some of the cool kids would be like, Hey, come to this party. And then, you know, within an hour or so I was doing comedy bits or be like, hey, did you hear Bobcat Goldthwaite's album? You know, right. like just doing we people's like, bits. No. Here's, here's yeah. some Emo Phillips jokes. And they didn't want to hear Emo Phillips jokes. Right. Um, they wanted to, uh, <clears throat> you know, get drunk and do drugs and have sex with each other. And so, but I remember being at one of these parties when I first moved out to L.A. And Def Leppard came on. And when I lived in Memphis, Def Leppard was like h- hardcore. Like the people, like they would write in pen, like Def Le- on their nu- on their nu- fingers, like the little knuckle joints. Uh-huh. Here. And uh, and this party that had all these football players and cheerleaders, and they were drunk sing and pour some sugar on me came on i was like oh Def leopard really and they were all singing pour some sugar on me at the top of their fucking lungs and it confused the shit out of me because i didn't know that that transition had occurred right that they that Def leopard had now spilled over into especially by that record
2: yeah that's the one after pyromania that's hysteria and that one like it was all over and by then i was so into way heavier stuff that i didn't even buy that record but pyromania was one that i bought and then and then it went meh like it went <laughs> it turned rotten <laughs> like the the record you know yeah it's spoiled
1: yeah whenever
2: uh, when other people got into it
1: i mean i guess it would almost like i guess it would almost be like in you know if sid vicious had lived in the late right. 80s if kiss yeah. fm started playing the sex pistols right. you'd be like what the fuck is happening
2: right and i had already had music turn on me like i talk about it in my book of like having uh Well, Star Wars betrayed me later. Well, actually, no, because uh, the holiday special I talk about in the book, where the holiday special should have been our sign as, like, the (laughs) older, you know, first-level nerds of Star Wars that got into it, you know, as 11-year-olds. And then two years later, this piece of shit comes out, and it's so misguided and so, like – The humor is so terrible. Oh, the Uh, Christmas special, yeah, of the holiday special.
1: But it's still (laughs) hard to deny. Be Arthur,
2: (laughs) yeah, and it introduces you to Boba Fett and the animated thing, but which is still so kick ass. But I remember that being one of the first things of like, hey, this thing I like might not be perfect. But that's.
1: But now that you now that you get a better sense of how things work, it's easy to understand. This little space opera that no one thought was going to be anything, all of a sudden, is the, one of the most right. wor- biggest worldwide phenomenon in the world. So ABC is like, we want that. For That's Christmas. exactly right. And yeah, they yeah. didn't have yeah. they didn't have the protocols in place because they didn't have nerds that worked for them. Right? They were like, this is how you no, need so to honor hire this Bruce. Material. So they. <laughs> Hey Bruce Lynch, <laughs> come yell at this script. So they
2: just so they <laughs> bring just a, bring a tight T-shirt. Yeah, they're and yell like, at well, this, this is script.
1: this is popular, so whatever. These ki- kids are dumb; they don't fucking give a shit. <laughs> yeah, just put yeah. some Yodas, in, you know. It's like it's like in uh, Raising Arizona where uh, you go, they go, what what did what what did he have on his pajamas? I don't know. They were jammies. They had Yodas and shit on Yoda's them. Like, and shit, yeah. yeah, it's just like Yodas and shit, which yes. I think is kind of how for sure how that stuff is pro was was programmed. And I wonder. If when they were making it, they were like, "I don't know, guys. I, I don't think this is great." Ah, it's fine. I'm sure because the cast were all drunk and phoning it in.
2: I mean, <laughs> Hamill looks wasted. Carrie, you know, is out of her, you know, out of her mind. Probably when she shot that thing.
1: I mean, that that's barely in it. That right? experience must have. So, <clears throat> can you imagine just because we all now are, in our careers we all do a million things. Yeah. And one little thing, and it's usually like the things that you don't, you're not really, you know, like, ah, I just did this small little thing that blows up, right. as opposed to the thing that you like, this is so important. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, and so, can you imagine, like, what that would feel like if all of a sudden just like one little thing you did that you thought no one was ever going to see not only becomes one of the biggest things in the world, but also defines you and does all this stuff? Can you have right. you ever thought about, like, would you want that kind of weird success?
2: I don't know. Y- yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I think like Harrison Ford is the guy who still is like, ah, yeah, I wish I never did that thing. There, there. Do you feel you interviewed him right? I've had him. There, yeah, there is well, like
1: a sense of like, fuck I'm so well. like, a of like. I will say this very sincerely. I will say this very sincerely. I will say this very sincerely, and I don't mean this as a joke. But there was a I I noticed in my experiences with him personally. There seemed to be a dramatic difference. The line of demarcation was uh, landing his airplane on the golf course when he was in that plane crash right. that he walked away from. Uh-huh. The, before that, he was a little like, "What is this? Come on!" You know, yeah, like where yeah, yeah. that that person asked him a question at the panel we were doing at Comic Con the year before, two years before, like, "Oh, what would you know? What would Han Solo say if he met Indiana Jones?" And he was like, "Ah, oh, hello!" You know, <laughs> right, like he right, was just—you yeah. could tell. But then after that happened, when I did the panel for Force Awakens, he was genuinely checked in and like moved and seemed appreciative. And so I wonder if there was just that sort of like, he just kind of had that, oh, wait a minute. Life is precious. And maybe it's lucky that we get to do all these crazy things. Yeah,
2: for sure. You would think it would have come earlier than that.
1: (laughs) You know what, though? (laughs) It
2: takes. Crash landing a plane, yeah. You know.
1: But can but but honestly, our culture is so different now, particularly with how fandom is is dealt yeah. with, and particularly how performers and students people respond to fandom. Because he was famous at a time when famous people were could be invisible or untouchable. Right. or didn't. Re- I mean, there were tabloids, but not like now. Right. Right. And so. You know, like, the, the people who were super famous in the, in the, in, in the 80s, any time before the 90s, really were able to live these sort of isolated lives. Right. So, I don't know. I just wonder, like, that's got to fuck with your head. Right. And I think he's just not a nerd,
2: probably, about anything. I get no. the feeling. Because Hamill definitely is. A thousand percent. And Hamill, like is so much more appreciative, I think, of the nerd fame because he it loves other things like I, I think he gets the obsession, and I think maybe Harrison doesn't have that thing that he's obsessed about you know? I, and like, I, like so doesn't never collected anything or ever you know
1: i don't know when you and Patton and Jerry Duggan and uh, uh Blaine Capatch and all of us used to play d and d the, Dave Anthony would show up sometimes, like in a in like a leather jacket, and just knock on the door and be like. I'm gonna kick your ass, you fucking nerds, and then he would just leave. Or yeah, and he threatened to do that all the time too. Like if he
2: knew about the game, he'd yeah, go, I'm coming by. <laughs> so that character
1: that he was playing—imagine if that guy got super famous because of a D and D thing, right? You know yeah, what I mean? True. It's like yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. the guy who's like, "What are you fucking nerds? Keep it down! Yeah. My girlfriend's over, and she, you know she took yeah. your top off, and you guys are fucking ruining it." You know, like right. if that guy all of a sudden—that's
2: exactly right. <laughs> There, there would have to be like. Don't let Dave hear this. I'm Harrison Ford. No, Dave.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There would have to be a love hate relationship (laughs) with the thing. It's like the thing did make you famous and gave you money and notoriety and a lot of things, you know. But at the same time, it was a thing that you didn't necessarily respect, and then that's tacked to your identity for.
2: And like his three biggest movies are franchise movies, right? Harrison Ford's like his three biggest characters are like. They're characters there and they're mainstays in nerd culture, all three of them. Yeah. And that must drive him crazy, too. If if you already hate nerds and then it's like, oh, I I did another nerd thing. God,
1: I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, but this guy had a whip. How's that nerdy? Yeah, yeah. Come on. He's like, (laughs) ladies love him. I don't get it. He's just trying each time. Right. So then he just dovetails into the Tom Clancy novels. It's like, no nerds are coming into these waters. Yeah, it's only going to be conservative nerds, Gun, <laughs>
2: gun-toting nerds.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know if it's that he hates nerds. I just wonder. I just, I don't know. I might be building that up, too. But, like,
2: there seems a little bit of he's, ne- he, and he never did, like, what Lucas did or what, you know, Shatner did in that famous SNL sketch of, like, get a life, you fucking losers. Right, you know, right, that, right, right. Right. Because Lucas definitely did that to us, but...
1: (laughs) You're still carrying around, the (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You still haven't made peace with that as you're getting older? No, I'm still mad at that dude.
2: How do you explain... Okay, so
1: here's what I want to know. How old is Rhodes now? Uh, Nine. Rhodes is nine. And I assume he loves all the same shit you love. Yes.
2: And it's been really hard with the, the prequels because... I I in the beginning when he's little and I was like those suck, <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> but he like probably would have loved those. I heard kids right? love Well, he readers.
2: loves them. Yeah. And now, but because I've I've totally uh, pulled back on it, you yeah. know. And I it took me talking to Melanie too, of you know who you know very well, yes. my, my wife, uh, of her just going, well, yeah, don't do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he needs to know.
2: <laughs> and then I felt bad because there was like I. You know my my stand up and my life are they're the same. You know, and I did a stand up bit about um, how th- those those out- those movies weren't going to even be allowed in my house. But then you know you you can't really stick to that. And so then once they were in, then I sat down, and now I've like moved back a couple of steps. I'm like, well. The last two don't suck as much <laughs> as the Phantom Menace. <laughs> but well, you Phantom know, Menace, that I'm still holding on to that movie is a mess, yeah. and it was really made for kids. And then there's a lot of misfires in it, and you know Jar Jar being just one of them. You know, I I think that Padres, and uh, it's just so cartoony and just <clears throat> the tone was so. Not what I wanted to see from a Star Wars movie, and still isn't. But I think and there it some... goes political and yes, it like, does, and becomes messy and.
1: But there are some fun. There are some fun rabbit holes to go down, which I think uh, would be great ways to bond with your kid or anyone's kid. But you know, there are fan theories that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord, right? And, right, and, and, uh, then, and yeah. that and that E. T. was actually a Jedi because there is like a little yeah cluster yeah of no, E.T.'s. I love those little things too. Yeah, those are kind of fun.
2: Before my son, so I only saw those movie the fir- of the prequels. I only saw Phantom twice, mm-hmm. you know, which is compared to me seeing you know Empire two hundred times or right. whatever. Who knows? Right? Who knows at this point how many times I've seen that movie? But I went. It came out. We speaking of Patton. We had tickets to see that movie, you know, weeks in advance and it was coming out on a Friday and then a screening came up at what's the little theater here in Silver Lake, the Oh the the, the Vista. The, the Vista. Yeah. So it was gonna be at a Vista on Thursday night. So the night before, Patton goes, Hey, let's go to this midnight screening and I already have tickets for the next day. And we go and we fucking hate it. <laughs> and we walk out and we're standing in front of the Vista and I'm like God damn it! I have tickets to see this stupid thing at noon tomorrow. (laughs) And I went the second time, and the second time I'm just even. You know, there's no joy in my body. Like because when I went in the first time, I was like, "This is going to be great," and then it's like, "No, it's not." And then now the second time, I'm like, "Whoa, yeah, that's that part I hated last night."
1: When that first when it came out. Because we were still doing a show at the Gypsy Cafe in Westwood, oh yeah, which is right across the street from those two theaters, the Fox and the Bruin, right. And I remember performing for like a couple of weeks. People were lined up and camped out in front of that theater, yeah. Which I don't doesn't it doesn't happen anymore because people don't you know
2: disappointment.
1: (laughs) Is that what that was? (laughs) (laughs) But
2: that was like, and then uh, weeks. So so yeah so. That's the only two times I saw that movie till my son got into them. You know, I never went back to them because I was so, I hated them so much. And then the other two, I just saw once.
1: Did you show him the films in uh, the order in which they were in release originally, order? No,
2: originally I just showed him the originals. I don't know how we, I think it was getting, oh, getting them on Blu-ray. You had, a, there was a box set at Target once and it came with all six. Yeah. And so then, once we had those other three in the house, that's how he got exposed to them. And I think it might have been a nanny, or you know. And I, was like, <laughs> Don't. And I come home, you're fired. <laughs> I, to-
1: I told you not to. I- this was in the lockbox with the gun. Yes. The fuck! Don't let the baby see the prequels. <laughs> he has the gun. That's fine. Just keep him away from episodes one, two, and three. Have yeah. him shoot the prequels. Do you have? Do, do you think we're in – is there a glut of Star Wars now? Or are you of the mindset of like, no, more the more Star Wars, the better? Or are you like, eh, maybe a little too much? Uh,
2: I, I, the more, more the better, as long as it's well done. And I, yeah. I'm not one of the guys that hated Solo. I actually dug it, and yeah. I was anti before it. I've come way – I mean, I've matured a lot about my nerdiness. And part of it is when you see all the hateful nerds on – you know. Uh, online you just go I don't want to be that dude and maybe I was that dude Yeah, you know I remember being mad at like um, and not for a racist reason but like daredevil casting you know like when kingpin was cast and now looking back on that it's like I don't want to be the piece of shit who says no that Ving Rhames shouldn't play the kingpin you right. know what I mean like yeah. any of these people that are you know getting online about that kind of stuff it's like you can love that stuff but the negativity has just made me go the other way. It's like, you know it's like in my act too of uh pc culture of like people going anti on pc culture i'm like well i'm going to go the other way you know i'm going to i'm going to be so politically correct <laughs> so again <laughs> that you fuckers really hate me so
1: so you're a, you're just you're i'm a, such a
2: contrarian you're i a always counter-culture have been. Guy. yeah always have been
1: i wonder if fandom is you know i've been asking some of some friends about this do you think fandom's broken right now or do you think it's just um no I don't know and it's hard because you
2: go you go I want fandom to be inclusive. I even do a rant in my book of like of that of going, "Hey, look, you know, this is the these people the people that really get obsessed over these things generally it's because um well, for me, that was my th- my solace. That was my thing that was waiting for me at home mm-hmm. when I was going through like what I thought the worst days of my life, you know, junior high and high school. And then these people that didn't understand this thing, this thing was waiting for me and and embraced me, whatever it was, comic books, heavy metal, uh, horror movies, all that my nerdy loves were sitting in my tiny room in my mom's shitty apartment. And even when my mom was fighting me, those things were waiting for me in that room, and those were the things that understood me and welcomed me. And I think that's nerd culture is so inclusive of like welcoming to like, hey, you can you can be a fucking weirdo who can barely form a sentence because right. you're so you know <laughs> you know uh, O C D or yeah. whatever, whatever you whatever drew you to this thing, uh, you're welcome. Uh, you can have one eye. You can be you know seven feet tall and be 14 years old, right? <laughs> which right. is the way I felt, you know. Right. And uh, you can be. Pee the bed and whatever. Come in. We'll take you. So then for us to now go, hey, you shitheads, Yeah, that is, that, <laughs> you can't I, like that, this thing anymore. Of all the groups that – But part of me is like I feel like I've earned that because I've liked this thing. I've been a nerd for 40 years. Right. So I think I can go, okay, you're welcome, but dude – <laughs> it it is It is interesting that a group, take it down
1: that a group that
2: that, that forty thousand racist notches yeah you know what I mean like,
1: it's just weird to me that that a group that for a long time was so marginalized culturally yeah. would then turn around and then start marginali like basically building fences and telling everyone else to fuck off I mean that's I guess, my biggest thing but yeah, I guess yeah. that you know like if if there's trauma, then maybe it's just a defense mechanism, but still. That's why I was, you know, when people would say, like, oh, does it, does it piss you off that Comic-Con is about, like, so many other things now than comics? And I'm like, I, no, because it, it welcomes so many people, and people don't have to be ashamed, and now we right. get big-budget, awesome yeah.
2: movies. And then go to Emerald City if you just want to go to a con – if you want – there's other cons. There's lots. You know, like, if you just want to go to a comic book convention, there are them. Right. You've you got to seek them out, and, you know, and then you can – Comic-Con is its own thing. I have friends that stopped going, and I I've, I've gone every year since I moved to Southern California. I've not missed one. Yeah. yeah. And and it's changed like you right, you're
1: right, and maybe
2: it's not as fun sometimes, but I don't know, you make your fun.
1: Yeah, I just like the community of it. I like yeah. I like that it's, you know, uh it's welcoming. It's something that happens in real life with a real experience and real people and it's accepting and people can go and not have to feel weird. Like they can go and and sort of be right in their comfort zone of like I'm into this, that person's into that and we can find common ground as opposed to feeling like it's the one place where you don't have to feel like an outcast if you're right. in whatever town you live in. If there's only like four of you who are right. into this stuff,
2: and 25 years ago, most of the guys there were like, "I wish there were more women there," and now, now there are. There's yeah. so many, and it's you're really complaining about things turning awesome yeah. and everybody being <laughs> into everybody being into this thing you're into. Yeah, well, Which goes back to me? You know, like I was mad about Def Leppard and everybody getting into... So I guess I'm sort of a hypocrite, but...
1: Yeah, Def Leppard... It, De- 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 but what I mean... It- Def Con has really, uh, <laughs> has really... Def Con's actually a hacker convention, so it doesn't <laughs> even make any sense. I wonder <laughs> there would be, like, a Def Leppard convention. They could sustain it. Now it would be sad. <laughs> do you think so? Do you still listen to... Do, do you listen to new metal, or do you still listen to just the old metal? I listen to both, and then
2: lot With the kid... Being in the car, we try to really break it up. Like, we were just listening to Tribe Called Quest on the way up here. So, uh, it's not all metal all the time. It's- I think I put that forward that, like, I think people think that that's all I listen to. But, you know, we, like, we have Smith's crossover, yeah. you and I, and, like, I love those bands and, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. I listen to, like, the metalheads that follow me if they ever rode with me in my car they'd be like what the fuck is
1: this <laughs> I, I i would bet most metalheads have a secret yeah. have a secret stash of stuff that they you know but just to stay just to stay yeah. on brand you know but it's but, but it's, I like Duran Duran a little more than most dudes would be comfortable with Dude, fuck of course John and Andy Taylor you know yeah, like yeah. That, that that was that that was that Brit pop where they fucking where they basically like almost played bass like a lead guitar like those bass yeah. lines and those Duran Duran songs are fucking great
2: and the cute girls at my school were into that stuff the girls that I saw at metal shows in San Francisco in the early 80s were fucking terrifying like you never wanted to talk to some of those a girl at a Slayer show she'll fucking Kill you, yeah. Like they look like Richard Ramirez wearing a wig. You know, just most of them back then. Now, another thing, like metal is totally opened up to women too. But in in the beginning, like the hardcore metal, there were hardly any women at shows. Like, you know, I have to know those though.
1: Days. I'm so curious because <clears throat> you know a lot of fandom comes from motivation or what we're going through and what we're attaching our identity to, and the experience. For you with metal, I'm sure was a lot of like real, like legitimate angst and mm-hmm. rage and feeling that. And for Rhodes, it's really just more enter- an entertainment offering. It it's is. like, oh, yeah. this is a this is a type of entertainment that you might enjoy because he's not like, what's your kid gonna rebel against?
2: Right? No, he's not. And now it's like he likes Pantera because they say bad words. Yeah, and he likes Metallica because they're dark. Yeah, and he's like. Did he just say death? And, did
1: he just say die, 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 die? And
2: I'm like, yeah, he did. Well, the the first one was, uh, uh, oh, man. He, one of the lyrics, he just goes, uh, did he just say, look to the sky, it's the last time you will just before or look to this guy just before you die it's the last time you will and I'm like yeah yeah that's what he said and he goes that's really dark and I'm like yeah they're pretty dark buddy <laughs> Can we <laughs> get a milkshake But he loves yeah. it like and he gets that that's one of daddy's favorite I was never the metal dad of like forcing it on the kid and i was never the guy that was going to have the youtube video of the baby you know you're playing like the like sepultura like some of the really heavy stuff and having the baby headbang yeah i never did that and i you know i didn't want to be that dad but i always played my music but i just kind of always wanted to give him a foundation so like in the early days um we were playing sabbath and ac dc in the car and then, you know, with the Ramones and the Clash and, you know, and so he heard all of that, like, at two years old, he was in the back singing along to Ramones And after, you know, after singing uh, Iron Man. Oh, that's fantastic. So that, and with Melanie, too, she would never let me just be metal all the time. So you got to soften it up, it up a little bit. Soften it up a little bit for the kid. And then, and then it's find not up. so much about softening up. It's more about just being
1: open to other things and just, you know. That's what's hard. Why be, make it up? I think that's what's the, hard yeah. for nerds to do is to be open to other things because so many get you know like nerds are very sensitive, hypersensitive, and can be hurt easily. Right. And opening up to other things means you know risking that you might get hurt, and so it can uh, you know. Did you grow up with other nerd friends though? Only a couple. I, I was in um, when I grew up in Memphis. Um, I was in a. a a lot of my nerddom really revolves around one teacher that I had <clears throat> who was the math teacher. He was the high school math teacher, but my school in, in Memphis was K through 12. And it was not a lot of people. It was only like – I mean, right. if there were a 1,000 people there, I'd be surprised for this entire K through 12. And this guy was the math teacher, and he also had a bank of Apple E computers, uh-huh. and he also w- ran the chess club. And so – In the entire school of K through 12, there were maybe, um, God, it feels like maybe eight kids, 10 max, but that's 10 spread across K through 12. right? So it's not like the high schoolers were really going to hang out with me. So it was really just the people in the chess club who were in my general age vicinity, which was like maybe three people, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, and so and that was it. That was it, and but everyone else in the school was very binary. It was like, well, you're either a popular kid or you're a sports person, or you're just like one of right. these handful of, you know, people who are just into these 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 things right
2: here. My thing was so solitary in, until I met the two metalhead friends that where we had that in common, and then we also had other things like our humor, kind of overlapped. We were into Letterman and we were the he, the kids that were watching David Letterman every It's funny every how
1: consistent night. like yeah. if people like one thing there's a Venn diagram that sort of like yeah. And they also oh if you liked, like this you probably yeah, also like this. We the you movie heavy, heavy Metal Monty Python on the weekends and, like and we metal. also
2: watched John Carpenter movies right. and, you know but before those guys before my two pals that I mentioned in the book Crop and Baden were just the, their, their last names that we still go by on Posehn and they're Krop and Baden but uh, those were the guys that you know, I was like, "Oh, you like that? Well, I like that." But before that, my nerddom was totally solitary. So I never picked Marvel or DC. And and when I was a kid, I liked Star Trek as much as I liked Star Wars back right. then. You know, and like it was always like you got to pick one, but nobody ever told me that. Nobody, I didn't have a nerd friend that went. Oh, you like both? That's weird. You know, like I liked my two favorite heroes were Batman and Spider Man for the since nine years old, and
1: you know. Well, now there's and so was, many things you know, in every direction that it's right. easy to it's easy to set up tribalism, right? But in those days,
2: most nerds were like, "I'm a Marvel guy. Make mine Marvel, you right?" Know? And you would never read a DC
1: book. Well, also, back in the uh, '70s and also '80s,
2: before like home video,
1: right. Star Wars was a movie thing. Star Trek was your TV fix right. that was yeah, in syndication exactly. that you could yeah, see. Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it was just like, oh yeah, any of this kind of stuff is all great because you know we didn't we just didn't have a lot of stuff. Yeah, the, the tribalism thing. I, I don't know. I, it. I really. <clears throat> it's unfortunate because it can be so difficult to really have conversations online about stuff with people because you're just you're not really having conversations a lot of the time. Right. So I really do think. And that's why I love that's why I think d and d is so great because it does force you to come to it forces you to be in a real world experience and interacting and mm-hmm. forming a little community and having to you know hang out with people right uh, do you still play are you yeah. you're still doing the podcast yes 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 are, are you ha, ha, you're not on the same campaign from how often no. do you switch campaigns? so
2: this one you'd have you'd have to ask Dan Telfer's our DM now. Okay. he's been our DM for a while. Who you know? I do and, know. Him uh, so, God, we're, uh, this one's thirty-four hours
1: in. Shit,
2: on this campaign, or yeah, and our last one went about the same. Um, so we, I'll bet I bet Telfer
1: is a fantastic. He DM. is. He's
2: good. Yeah, and uh, people really loved Sark. Of course. You know, who I was when he we was were, our guy. When we started playing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, my first podcast had him, and then we replaced um, – he, he had a kid, and then <laughs> – it's so funny when the D&D – like, our D&D first broke up with, like, Patton and I got married. <laughs> we stopped playing D&D. Well,
1: actually, if you remember <laughs> – the, f- the first time our game got disrupted is because Sark got a girlfriend. Sark got a
2: girlfriend, right. And, and then, then we got, got mad at him. You got, you got really mad at him. <laughs> Don't drag
1: me into that shit. You got mad at him, and we ran Dude, into him somewhere, right. and you were like, what's up, bro? Like, you got real... You could like uh, But also kind of got fucking a, kind around. Kind of fucking around at the same time. I mean, time. you know me. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do the I will note that Brian thing. has turned bright red, P.S. Uh, but, I'll do the aggressive thing, but... Ah, yeah.
2: uh, God. <laughs> I love how hot makes me forget like certain <laughs> and then people will go no dude <laughs> no there was that there was that you were
1: the one there was that game i remember there was yeah, that game yeah, in yeah. around 2003 or 2004 where we all set everything up you guys came to my office like patton unfolded all of his stuff he took out his figurines uh, his, set everything his up
2: his mom had sent stuff
1: from uh, the east coast yeah and, yeah and yeah, yeah. he set everything up and we were about to play and he was like Hey guys, just so you know, I'm probably not going to be able to play much anymore because I got like work stuff or whatever. And then proceeded to like pack up all the shit and leave. And everyone was like, "What the fuck just happened?"
2: Oh yeah, yeah. That there was a couple of those. I mean, that's like and that's like setting up like, for a
1: gig, and then like a dude unpacks <laughs> his bass, plugs it in, sets up the pedals, does the sound check, and then goes, "Yeah, this isn't that's working a weird out." Weird patent thing. And then, thing. I and don't then know. packs everything. You, you got to have
2: him on and, and make his face red about that. But. <laughs> And you can't. I don't know. That is the thing with D anD
1: D. You can't if you commit to a. You need to show up, right? Because if one person doesn't show up, it kind of fucks it up for everybody.
2: Yeah, especially the DM.
1: <laughs> but again, as I said, I'm glad Telfer is your He's DM been great. And he's great and hilarious. Yeah, it's and,
2: nerd poker, and that's like what I. I mean, I was calling it that before it was a podcast. Like I yeah. would say to Melanie, "I'm going to play nerd poker tonight." Because yeah. that's to me what it always was. Is. Uh, and we were all busy then, and we were all you know, but that was us making time to kind of because to me it was less about the game and more about hanging with six friends that make you laugh, and yeah. you know, and doing this this thing that not everybody gets,
1: yeah, but, but now d and d is bigger than it's ever been, yeah, which it's is crazy. really cool, did you see um my friend Kyle Newman was part of a group that made this book called um, Dungeons & Dragons, Art and Arcana, A Visual History. Yeah. well, It's, it's through, fucking great. I know Joe Manganello, Yes. Who, uh, yeah, who did, did the, the forward, uh, on forward
2: on for it. And he's the most handsome nerd to ever live. <laughs> Have you met that dude?
1: Oh, I know Joe. You think yeah. think I think what's going to happen someday is that he's going to slip and fall and his head's going to crack open. It's going to be one of those little tiny aliens like from Men in Black just right. operating this Titan suit. That or he's
2: it's two normal-sized nerds. It's too like...
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> they made a, a six-foot-five yeah. handsome man suit. And the he, yeah, the heavier nerd is his torso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that dude's all been... torso. That, the all... nerd that's in there. He has no feet. <laughs> <laughs> A <laughs> little tiny little feet. The,
1: the, the book is really <laughs> stunning, and it and it sort of and in, in you even even kind of getting that sort of the the evolution from when it was when it just looked like it was. I
2: want one. I haven't I haven't actually seen it in my hands, but that book. I'm, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get one. I got of those. one here in the it's house. Nice I'll coffee table book. Freely. Yeah, I'll yeah.
1: show you the book. It really is gorgeous. I mean, that when when they really did, but even even the sort of the charming like line art from the beginning was. Great, because it just sort of it made you feel like, oh, I can draw like this. This right. feels like this was made for me. And then it got bigger, and then the art got like insane and yeah. and vibrant, and and that's that's great too. And I love how D and D draws
2: a a bunch of different types of people to it too. There's the people that are into into it for different reasons. Yeah. you know that are drawn more to the the math of it or the you know the chances of it or or like you know the, the the role-playing part that, right. you know, there's all these different elements. And, and that like in the seventies and eighties, it was this thing where either nerds played it or dirtbags played it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the dirtbags are kind of forgotten, but that's how I got into it. Cause I was working with the dirtbag kids at a record store. No, it's true. <laughs>
1: What do you think attracted the dirtbags to it? Uh, The metalness
2: of it and the thing that, you know, the rebellion thing of like of people saying it, you know, comparing it to the band Kiss. Like Kiss was like Knights in Satan's Service in the 70s. There was stuff on TV going, this is evil. And then us going, it is? (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, I got to play that.
1: Yeah.
2: You know? Because it was the nerd started it. You know, it was all like, uh, you know, UC Berkeley type. Guys, you know, playing it originally, and then it was, you know, um, frowned upon by churches. And I think that's literally what drew dirtbags to it: of like, oh, I'm not supposed to like that thing. That sounds fucking <laughs> Anything awesome. Anything frowned upon by churches,
1: yeah, just sitting around.
2: What do churches not like? What, what should I get into? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but especially when you think about even music at that time. Right. I mean. Fucking Led Zeppelin singing about Tolkien, you know what I mean? Like, it, Oh, yeah, like that was really nerdy, really... but
2: that was 70s, though. But by the 80s, there was that—80s that went so conservative, and especially on TV of, like, right. you know, there was— every news program was telling my mom to tell me not to let me do the stuff I was doing, right. you know what I mean? Like, all the programs were too violent. Even in the early 80s, you know, that went through— it, it, seems like we have that like every 10 years of like uh, things you know because we got it again in the 90s with Manson Marilyn Manson and stuff like that but in the early 80s it was all this music that wasn't really brutal like Twisted Sister you know they're a goofy you know East Coast like Kiss band and they were like taken a chord of like really read their, if you really read their lyrics you wouldn't be scared of them they're, they're, also, they're a bunch I, of buffoons I, I, read, yeah, I listen to them i always like, ref-
1: i always just kind of thought of them as sort of like a, a bit of a, a satirical that, yeah it, it almost like it almost be like charging people at the ucb with right. you know the crimes again it's like well this is they're not they're fucking
2: around. Yeah, well, and they have a song called "You're Gonna Burn in Hell," but but have you listened to it? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's goofy. Well, that's
1: that's why it's so funny now. Like it's harder and harder because when the rest of the sort of when the rest of the entertainment sectors are like, we really need to drill down and and make family friendly stuff, video games are like, hey, fuck all you, just come over here. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. You, you, I feel like those days of. There's just too many. Inter- do you think? Do you think there are too many entertainment options? I feel overwhelmed most of the time because it's just impossible to keep up with anything, right? But no, I don't think there's
2: too many because there's so many people. There's, I, I don't know, there's just so much stuff for all these people. You know, that but you're don't... not all into. You know, I love that there's all these Marvel and DC shows now, and I don't watch all of them, right? But I love that they all exist. Yeah, you know, um, and I'm I'm so late to the table on almost everything cool, like. I just finally watched season one of Legion. Oh, know? yeah. Yeah, but I love that thing, and I love that it's out there and that it exists, but it took me two and a half years to watch it. But. Yeah,
1: there's, there's so much of it woven in. Uh, we've been watching um, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is uh, funny. I can't believe that can be good. I heard it's good. It's fun. It's really fun. I, my only complaint is that I just wish there was more magic in it, oh, okay. but, there's a, but it's all satanic. Oh, okay. Everything well, is. I'm in. Yeah, So like one of the characters the other day. <laughs> the days, church
2: tell me to, to have churchy tell me not to watch it.
1: Yeah, and they they refer to Christianity <laughs> as the as the group that represents the false god, and it's just basically her kind of, um, trying to establish herself as a half witch, half mortal in the church of Satan, basically. Okay. And so there's a, someone someone said uh, the other day. It, it, so everything is like opposite. You know so someone the other day said unholy shit which i thought was goofy and funny so <laughs> it's just a lot of you know it's it's right it's i never
2: watched riverdale but i heard it was cuz it's a spin off of that right
1: it it technically is a spin off well, of that well it's from that world it's, it's from, from that, that world RV it's in that universe but netflix. it's on it's on netflix Oh, was Riverdale not? Riverdale's Uh, on CW. Oh, okay. So I I would imagine the shows would have to touch at some point because Lydia watches Riverdale and she said this season is like all of a sudden just gotten supernatural. Uh, Like before it was like a murder mystery and this season, like. There's, like, floating babies, like, within the first... She was like, yeah, oh, all of a sudden it's just supernatural, and they didn't really... Well, I don't read the comics, but
2: I know, like, Jughead has gone that way, or Archie. Yeah, I think they've done that with, with those main characters, like the modern versions of those characters. Well, they did, like, they like, they did
1: like that zombie time. run on, um, on, uh, in the Archie comics. Yeah, I'm aware of it, but I never picked it up or read it. But, but uh... my only... Uh, the only weird thing... Well, the, the kind of the weird thing to me about Riverdale is that it's... Uh, everyone is stunning to look at everyone. Is, it's you, television. <laughs> it is, but even so, like, they made Miss Grundy, was that her name, Mrs. Grundy, the teacher? I think so. And then, in the yeah. comics, she's, like, 100 years old, And right. then she, but then she's, like, young and had an affair with one of the characters, and well, so... that's, like,
2: everything. That's I talk about, I talk about it. my act now of, um, you know, the weirdest thing about the last couple of years, people complain about Trump and everything, but the weirdest thing for me is... Uh, that I now find Spider Man's aunt attractive. <laughs> <laughs> like, of, of all of all things in life. That's one of the most confusing to me. Like I hated Aunt May as a teenager. Like she ruined every issue when she came in and like, stay out of Manhattan.
1: You know? <laughs> oh <Aunt laughs> and May. menacing
2: Spider Man. And now now she's this woman who I found attractive since the nineties. Right. So like, you know. And the same with Ma Kent. Where I'm like, Diane Lane is Ma Kent, and, I, and now I want to fuck Ma Kent. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm glad Pa Kent dies. Because <laughs> I can have her to myself.
1: I don't think you just automatically get to date her. You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, like, sorry, Superman, I'm fucking your mom. No. <laughs> yep. Again, you're married, she's not real. Like, there's yeah. a lot of things that aren't yeah. going to make this work no. out, Brian. Besides, do you, do you really want to? You know, Superman. Superman has a dark streak in him. Do you really want to?
2: That's really, true. Do you really want now? Now
1: that now he does.
2: Yes. But
1: I. But I just. You know, I don't. I don't know if that's a road you necessarily want to go down. All right. What are you excited about? I haven't told Melanie I'm leaving her for... <laughs> for my For kids.) <laughs> yeah, I think Melanie would just kind of roll her eyes and go, fine. You uh, fucking idiot, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like most things I do, she just goes, all right, weirdo.
1: <laughs> Your wife's great. Yeah. I really love Mel a lot. She'd have to be. She... <laughs> what, is, what is Melanie exposing Rhodes to? Um, uh, sweetness.
2: Uh, no, I mean it. She's just, so, she's so good and, you know, caring and she's a, just been a great mom. And, but also musically she sings a lot. Um, and that he's, he's become musical mostly because of her. Cause I can't really do anything. She, he plays the piano now and that's been a big thing of hers of like giving him this skill that he may not want at nine years old. Right. but, but uh, You know, guys that we know like Brendan Small, you know, and some of my other – my metal friends that learned to play the piano and learned to read music at that young age. So
1: what's going to happen if Rhodes – he gets this music bug – and he becomes like a like a singer songwriter type, and then writes a lot of "You're beautiful." Like, are you are you gonna <laughs> Brian? Said, just like she, you visibly shift. That's shifted hilarious. In his chair.
2: Well, I hadn't thought of that one, <laughs> but I've thought of different variations of him rebelling. And, Good job, son. And, yeah, I really yeah, enjoy yeah, your yeah. concert. Well, that's why I play Pantera. So maybe he'll he'll do that, but then he'll go. Oh, you're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or he'll just completely yeah. push back. Um, yeah, no, that's the the way he's going to rebel is going conservative and like in sublime. You and know, then that it, would be that would really <laughs>
1: it. And he'll just be and in, sh- shitty food. He'll like, be in his concert and somehow yeah. he'll have adopted a, yeah. a, a soft British accent and say, "This next song is for my father who." He yeah. really doesn't understand what I do, but I know he tries in his own Why way. Why does he have a British accent? He just, yeah. just softened him up, you know. Uh, like it I mean, just sort of made him. It just sort yeah. of made him more, you know. Just I don't know. Just more of that singer songwriter guy. Like that, he would have to. He would have to just develop that accent right. for these for these types of songs. And in that situation, are you standing off to the side, like? Cheering him on, or do you do the, like, I, I No, I always cheer him on,
2: because my mom, for all the problems I had with her, like, as soon as I got into comedy, she was like, oh, thank God.
1: <laughs> He's not like, going to murder anybody.
2: She, no, she was. She was like, he found this thing. Like, uh she went and watched me see, or do it maybe the third time on stage, and it was rough, and she'll still remind me that it was rough. Um, That's her, yeah. you know, but... But she also, at the same time, was like, "This is great that you love this." It's more about that. And then, like later on, she would be kind of the you know the stuff that I was more typical of hearing from her of like, "Well, I don't get it, right?" But that's great that you love it. And but I wasn't even obsessed with the fact that she didn't like it. I was just more happy that she was like, "Go ahead, right?" And I'm less worried. There was this thing of like. You know, because I was one of those kids that didn't know what he was going to do, and and, you know barely made it out of high school, and uh, and then you know was going to junior college and still didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't living with her anymore because I had fucked up so much there. I was living with my grandfather in Sacramento, you know, and working at a McDonald's, and like future did not look bright. (laughs) You know, at age twenty, and then I was like, uh, hey, I love this thing. I'm going to do this. And then dropped out of junior college that I was barely, you know, showing up for anyway.
1: You know. Someday I'm gonna be in TV and movies, and I'm gonna marry a really pretty brown brown lady, and we're gonna have a child and then he's and then I'm gonna get paid to play Dandy <laughs> fucking make the fries, you stupid nerd. <laughs>
2: yep. <laughs> amazingly the guys i worked with one of the buddies i worked with uh at mcdonald's he was the guy that was like no you should do that like because i was the guy who was making everybody laugh on the fry line <laughs> so, <laughs> and then in, in the drive-through and you know have you ever talked about working at mcdonald's on stage no not really um no nah, I, I and i worked at two and i worked at him I took every like fast food job I could get cuz they were the easiest and I, you know, and you'd just walk in and and if you could talk in complete sentences, uh, you know, they would hire you immediately and they, you know, would barely look at like where you had worked before or call those places.
1: What uh is there a good McDonald's secret revealed that people should know about? Uh
2: no. I, and I, and you would think that would have thrown me off ever ever eating their food, but I still I still like no because it is when you work there you get the feeling that it's all one thing. Gotcha, you know, and it's because it, it just comes to the store frozen in a box. That's everything.
1: I, I think that's an old. I think there's every, an old Steve Martin bit about that where he's like, "Yeah, there's just a vat of this stuff, and it just spits out like <whack> <Yeah>. cheeseburger, <whack> fries." Yes. Yeah, Here's yeah. your change. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it was that bit. Yeah. Is
1: your book out
2: yet, yes, or is it, it came coming out, out last Tuesday?
1: Congratulations. Thank you. It's did my you first. like
2: writing it? Uh, I did, but I was so stressed. It was so much work. Uh, um, you wrote more I did. than I, one. Have you written? I just one, wrote one, one book. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and, and did I it haven't a since. Year the, a year of your life, or it took. It actually it was. It happened really fast. I wrote the first draft in three months. And then I wrote and then I wrote the um, because we had a deadline when they bought it, they were like, Okay, maybe we can turn it around for next year. So it was like a year from the time I sold it to when they released it, which meant I wrote it in three months, and then I got the edits back and then I had to basically write it again and that was in like a month. So it was I was under I was under a lot of I was under
2: the gun. My whole writing process took a year of like uh I think the first draft was seven months, seven or eight months, and then rewriting the rest of the year. But, uh, yeah, it was the most work I've ever done on anything, you know, and, and I still like, uh, Looking at the reading, co- one reading copy that came out was like, I've done two edits since then, but the one that's out now, the first, first edition, there's still like typos in it that drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> but like, I'm signing them the other day going, oh, sorry, it's not perfect, but you know.
1: Well, in 60,000 like, words yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. it is 85,000 like 85, yeah. words. Yeah, yeah, A few of them might not be perfect. Right. 23. 23
2: <laughs> <laughs> listeners if you can find more than 23 typos you don't win the, you win the marvel No prize uh and so this book is essentially a memoir yeah it's a lot of stuff we talked about today uh you know um just growing up and uh like my old bit talked about you know you don't uh you're not born a nerd. You you find nerdiness. Mm-hmm. You like you become a nerd, and it's it's really that. It tells that story because uh, it's called Forever Nerdy, and it's just about um, it's my life, but it's also tied to nerdiness through the whole thing. Yeah, and uh, um, these things that I found at ten and eleven years old, like you were saying earlier, of like now I get paid for those. You know, like almost everything that I liked as a kid, like horror movies winding up in devil's rejects and because of you but uh <laughs> uh but uh you know all these things uh writing for deadpool and and uh you know all the way everything that I liked at 10 years old and uh like I might even be in a star wars thing wink wink holy uh, shit yeah so
1: uh and is this in the and uh, so you can't confirm or deny that this might be a thing Oh, I can't hear you. You're, 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 you're whispering on the side of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. What you, what you
2: but, but that's the one where I... And then like Mad Magazine. It's just really crazy of like... The, and it was never like... As a 10-year-old, I wasn't like, I'm going to do all these things. It was just like, I love these things. And I kind of don't know what I'm going
1: to do. Yeah, I feel the same way, sort you of know? being in like, service to that kid and realizing all that stuff. Do you ever feel... Do you ever have those moments where you get... Frustrated with something, or like, oh I got a fucking. Oh wait, this is like Mad Magazine, or this is this thing. This is this is the thing that I actually. Sometimes can't believe I'm lucky that I get to. Sometimes
2: do. on sets, I'll be the the actors that that's mad because he's been in his trailer for five hours, right, and hasn't acted yet. Yeah, you know, and sometimes some days like that because I've got so much shit on my plate too. Cause, yeah, and I feel like I'm wasting my time, but but then the other part of me is like. You're in a fucking trailer and <laughs> you're just walking in and saying dumb shit. And you, <laughs> this is the dream, you know? Shut it up. It is the dream. Yeah. 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 Those are the only times every once in a while.
1: Yeah. It's just important to take a step back and always remember. Right. You know. And that's what wives are for, too, of like, you know. Reminding you go, that you're yeah, being yeah, an idiot. Yeah. 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 yeah Lydia, Lydia does that constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But we're so – but, you know, as – even though – even though – I feel like I did raise some points that might have seemed negative, like about fandom being broken or whatever. In general, I do think it's an amazing time to be alive. It really is, yeah. We have a a a gluttony of amazing things. And, you know, it's just – sometimes we have to just take a step back and appreciate that – That we are lucky, you know, like people are living longer than ever before. We have a ton of incredible things that we get to do. We have an amazing technology. We can connect to people like we can. We don't have to feel as isolated anymore, you know, like, I don't know. It's just it is a pretty incredible time to be right. alive despite right. i know there's a lot of shit that's going on right. but if you can shove that out of the way for a second and just sort of focus on yeah, like, these next
2: 24 or these last 24 years they're, are gonna, gonna, be be, the best. <laughs> they're gonna be so good we're gonna good. go out
1: on such a bang yeah
2: yeah what's that last year gonna be like <laughs> are people knows? just gonna be fucking in the streets and yeah and, just
1: and, like fu- just it'll, it'll just it'll it'll look like um like uh 12 monkeys shooting. they'll just be like it, all the zoo animals just the are purge in the every
2: day just every day uh, the, the purge will be one day where you don't purge. Yeah, it'll be yeah, it'll be just one day where everybody kind of and that, out.
1: that'll be the most popular movie yeah. is basically yeah. just uh just like a regular. It's a movie about a couple who has a regular sit down dinner and no one dies. <laughs> right, <laughs> and then they, and then they just appreciate each other, as opposed to you know just like a Mad Max kind of a thing where a guy is fucking like fucking a zebra while yeah. firing right. uh <laughs> you know flamethrowers out of both hands. Yeah.
2: Or just not even as cool because all, all the cars will have been destroyed. I I just think it's just going to be a dude just wearing underwear with a dirty jug of water just stabbing people. <laughs> like that's the last. That's the last thing. The last level is you just go stay away from my water. Just, that's where it ends.
1: <laughs> now, are you nothing cool or you know? How long? How far into the apocalypse would you survive? Uh, first
2: stages, for, you, you <laughs> first, like right away. Yeah, yeah. I probably have three more years, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be here for the t- the twenty the running around in the God underwear. Damn it!
1: You can't fucking die in three years, because then people are going to remember this podcast and be like, "He called it. He called it." You have to live at least four more years. Right. But Brian Posehn, your book is available everywhere. Books are available. Yep. I would imagine.
2: Yeah and I've uh, I've plugged like the main places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble but go to your independent bookstore.
1: I will just wander into Powell's in uh, Portland sometime just for the smell of all those books. Go into the in rare book room, it's rad. They only let a certain number of people in at a time. It's on I that have, top floor. I have I oh, have been there. It's fucking yes. great.
2: Yeah, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just love like, that place. Original first edition things,
2: and there was a guy that was working one day, and he saw me, and you know, and it was a Mister Show guy, and he was like, "Hey, you're gonna love this," and brought me in there, and yeah, they, I, it was crazy how cool that that store is. Are there? Are they doing more any more
1: Mister Show stuff?
2: The with Bob and David's? Yeah, with Bob and David's. Uh, we were talking about it, but I haven't heard lately. i um, you know, those guys are busy, and it's it's going to be when they're not. When, when they find a window that they can write together and they were talking about now that Cross a kid of um, Bob going to New York, which he can now because his kids are out of the house.
1: Oh, I thought and you it- said because David has a kid, now they're going to do Mr. Show Babies. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that is quite a leap.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I can't. I'm trying to shit on the flag. Yeah. I'm trying to make a boom boom <laughs> on the
2: flag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That baby jumped an acid up to its neck. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, no, but we were talking about just so he can be home of, yeah. of going to right there for right. a while, which we've never done. And and even they were talking about even producing a season over there oh, on the East be Coast. Great. Which would be great. I would leave... Encino to do that for a month or two, and
1: then you'd come back for the uh, the impending Encino apocalypse. Yes, I feel like there's an Encino apocalypse movie for you somewhere. The, oddly, I had thought
2: of like a Red Dawn Encino. <laughs> 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 it's a, a bunch of fat white guys defending like a, a cul-de-sac up in Encino. <laughs> That's right. It's like a ne- Halloween yeah. decorations are still up. Yeah, it's yeah. real
1: neighborhoody. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be great.
0: to 500-500.
1: That was Brian Posey and this is episode 1016 of the ID10T podcast. It's now time for word salad rap. Um I'm guessing that if you listen to this podcast and that if you identify with it in any way, you might be an overthinker. Um. So, I know it almost, almost sounds like a Foxworthy bit. If you leave a party and obsess about something you said to someone over the avocado dip and you sit with it for two straight weeks worrying that you said something wrong and you run into that person again and they have no idea what you were talking about because you invented the whole thing in your head, you might be an overthinker. Um, so, uh, overthinking, it means well, Right. We want to cover every possibility. I mean, I remember I was, when I was growing up, I was uh, heavily into chess club, very much into chess club, at a time when that was not a sexy thing to do. Thankfully, I think times have changed, but uh, in the 1980s, it was not a very, uh, it was not a very cool thing to do. I just loved it. I fucking loved chess. I loved the, I loved the game of it. I loved the competition of it. I loved the board. I loved the pieces and so I played every day before school, during lunch, and after school. I'd play in chess tournaments, and um, uh, but on the one hand, I think it taught me to be very analytical. But on the other hand, it also taught me to stress myself out by overthinking hundreds of possibilities. Because at least the way I played, um, I didn't. I never played with. Uh, You know, like, I'm going to use this opening and that move and then this gambit. Uh, I just played every game individually. And so what that meant was that as I was thinking of moves, I was trying to think, you know, 10, 20 moves ahead For a variety of pieces and possibilities. So trying to basically game the entire board in my head with each move. Which of course is uh, very overwhelming and very stressful. Which is why it's very difficult for me to play now leisurely. Because I just, I have, I feel like I have to think of every possibility and every eventuality. And be prepared for everything. And now it's good to be prepared. Obviously, you know, it's like we want to think ahead a little bit. We want to make sure that we're not, you know, just jumping into a fire without really thinking about what we're doing. We want to give things consideration. But at what point are you basically rendering yourselves, uh, ourselves, uh, inoperable by being frozen with too much overwhelming uh, possibilities, many of which will never come to fruition. And so the thing about overthinking is that the good, the good news about it is that it means you're an inventor because you invent things. But you might be inventing a lot of worst-case scenarios, uh, which will not only stress you out, but, again, will likely never come to pass. And even if you could, even if they did, even if you thought about it, would you be prepared for it if it happened anyway? You know what I mean? Like, what was there? was a oh, – which episode of Doctor Who was it? It was something about – You know, aren't you worried about dying or something? Well, yeah, but why would I want to die twice? In other words, why would you want to go through the stress now and then the thing later? So, um, but the idea of being an inventor means that you're creative. This is the upside of being a creative. If you're an overthinker, if you come up with scenarios or if you're in social situations where, you know, you said something or you made some joke or you said something offhandedly, um, then, and then you sit with it, you invent, oh my God, this person. Oh, and then I emailed them, but they never wrote back because they hate me and they hate me because I suck. I'm just a piece of crap. And, uh, everyone hates me and I always do stupid stuff. Oh my God. And then you, you talk to the person again, they were like, oh yeah, I was, I uh, you know, I was on vacation. I didn't really have access to email. And you're like, oh Jesus. So don't let that become part of your ritual. Don't invent things. You know, when you're kind of stirring in your head, when you're overthinking really ask yourself out loud, is this, real? How realistic are these possibilities? Am I inventing these? Do I have enough empirical evidence that supports this narrative? And if I don't, maybe I'll just try to let it go and just sort of release it into the ether, release it into the universe. And uh, again, as I was saying, if, because you are a creative type, the good news is that you can invent things. So maybe you You know, when you're kind of in those moments where you're inventing horrible scenarios in your head that you're torturing yourself with, you flip it and then you just go create something. You invent something because you're inventing inventing rods are firing at that point. So maybe use them for good. Use them for something constructive. Just a little exercise because if you can even start shaving down your overthinking stress by a few percentage points at a time, then it will, I think, lead to more uh, uh, and less stressful internal interactions with yourself over time. And anywhere where you can just just cut off little bits of stress here and there is worth it, in my opinion. Um, I-M-H-O, in my humble opinion. And, um, and uh, so uh, good luck with that. And Don't beat yourself up for being an overthinker. Try to make sure that it's not just part of a behavioral ritual that you have. um, And really, really, really work on turning that, uh, those kind of inventive moments into things that are constructive. And don't build narratives in your head that are not supported with real evidence and reality. Uh, Maybe sometimes you would be right, but most of the time you wouldn't be right with whatever you're inventing in your head, so at least just give yourself the peace until you actually have to deal with shit. So, uh, there you go. That's it. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening to Word Salad Wrap. I hope you have a uh, wonderful day, week, or whatever, and, um... Uh, again, I'll be performing in Washington D.C., Chicago, and then in New York at Carolines in October, uh, over New York Comic Con. So uh, go to id10t.com/tour for tickets and info to that. And thanks for listening. Bye. ID10T
0: scanning complete. Enjoy your
2: burrito. I feel like I was blindsided because
0: it's a competition show